Welcome to Phoenix Rising. I am your host, Kaylee Montoya Houston. I am a certified personal trainer and online nutrition coach. I will be joined by my co-host, Julie Montoya Houston. This show will cover all aspects of fitness, including nutrition, exercise, and mindset to help you reach your goals at any stage of your journey. We will bring you science-based information to help you take charge of your fitness goals and give you the power to rise like a phoenix. Welcome back to Phoenix Rising, everyone. We have another special podcast episode going in-depth of Julie's gut health journey. We are on, I believe, one of the final chapters, and uh, a lot of stuff has been going on. Um, In the future, this went pretty smoothly about as smoothly as one could imagine you mean in it, historically for you yes well you said in the future it's gone oh. pretty smoothly oh yeah in the past sorry <laughs> um and this this road's been a little rough here lately so i'm pretty interested to hear uh, more in depth on how things are going i think you guys are going to take a lot away because i believe a lot of you will be on this medication julie is taking and maybe some of you are wanting to step off it, off of it as well. Sorry, can't talk today. Yeah, it'll be interesting to uh, see how this goes since both of us are struggling with English today. I know, right? This should be interesting. Hopefully you guys can translate. <laughs> <laughs> but so tell us what part of the journey you're in. So we are in week three of phase five, which is supposed to be barring any anything pop-ups or flare-ups or anything this should be the final leg of the journey so um phase five is is stopping nexium completely completely discontinuing it and not using it at all and so that's a medication i've been on for 15 years so we're working on that so it's been interesting so what has been some of the hardest parts so far well um Sorry, I, I was thrown off because I expected you to have give a to ask for a recap. So, um, so far the hardest part has been the withdrawals. Um, believe it or not, when you come off a PPI, which is like Nexium, Prilosec, Prevacid, um, those are drugs that are only meant to be used at most three weeks at a time. Now there are some random more rare situations that you would take it long term and that would be if there is in fact the presence of a stomach ulcer or um, other chronic conditions like that you would then take it long term as a way to protect your gut however if you're just a normal person dealing with acid reflux GERD heartburn the those PPIs the three that I mentioned Nexium Prilosec Prevacid should only be three week treatments and so i have been on it for at least 15 years i don't even remember when i started taking it um, but i've been on it for 15 solid years at least and there are withdrawal symptoms that come with that now obviously the most common symptom is heartburn acid reflux indigestion because that is what the medication is treating Um, so of course those are expected and honestly those haven't even been the worst part for me I haven't really had a whole, I mean, I've had some mornings where I wake up and I feel a little acidy and that kind of makes me a little bit nauseous, but there are other less common side effects that people do experience coming off of these drugs and I'm feeling them. I'm feeling them hard. Um, So I've had the, like I said, the heartburn with some nausea, but I've also had some diarrhea. So 
in my gut health journey so far, we've talked about how I've had chronic um, constipation, not completely backed up, but it definitely slower motility. And so um, it was kind of normalizing, you know, as now that I've reintroduced all my foods and I've completed all the protocol for SIBO and H. pylori, it had started to normalize. It was it you know, typical normal bowel habits for a normal adult. No, I was still a little slower, but that's probably due to the fact that I had zero stomach acid because of long-term use of a PPI. Um, so coming off of that or starting to come off of it, I'm in week three, but week three has been week one repeated three times because of the way that I have, I have handled this. So, um, what week one was supposed to consist of was Nexium every other day. And then of course the off days, I would not take it. I would just, um, just do without that day. But of course, you know, watching the trigger foods, if there are any, like anything super acidic, um, caffeine, alcohol, um, sometimes dairy can cause it. I don't seem to have that problem. Um, but I have pretty much been able to eat whatever I want with little side effect as far as acid reflux. Um, but I, my stools started getting loose. Um, so I've gone from slower motility and a little bit, um, if we were looking at the Bristol stool chart, which some of you do know what that is after, after listening to the podcast and listening to Kaylee and I, so on the Bristol stool chart, I was probably closer to a, a two or a three, which is like harder, smaller pebbles, um, which is indicative of constipation. And I took a very quick rapid swing towards the five and the six, which is more um, loose stools, diarrhea, mild diarrhea. Um, and I pretty much stayed there for the last three weeks. That's why after having the first week where my gut hurt so bad, um, in the morning I would have the diarrhea and then the rest of the day I would have a lot of gut discomfort after that bowel movement. <clears throat> and that was happening close to every other day. So with that, we decided it would be best to go ahead and slow the process down. It was supposed to be a four week process, um, but we went ahead since I was having those withdrawal symptoms and we went ahead and decided to slow it down, repeat it that week one for the second week. And when I still was having symptoms, we decided to go ahead and do it another third week just to make sure that my, my stomach was adjusting and giving things a chance to settle down. So um, as of Wednesday, this last Wednesday on the 14th, on the 14th, um, I had my first normal, and I say normal meaning according, not according to me, because my normal is not normal, um, but according to the Bristol stool chart, I had my first normal bowel movement. I had no pain after that. Um, I felt pretty good, and then I felt really good Thursday. And then Friday, I also had another normal bowel movement according to the Bristol stool chart. Mm -hmm. And then I felt good, no discomfort or anything after that. So I think we have finally turned a corner um, for this, this first leg of the phase. I think we have finally turned a corner and my stomach acid is starting to regulate and things are starting to acclimate in my gut to where I'm, it's going to calm down, but we are still going to go ahead and repeat that week. So I will... I will keep that up until this coming Wednesday, the 21st. And then of course, if anything pops up between then and now, we'll decide whether we repeat the, the week or whether we move on to the next phase. And the next phase then would be 
reducing the Nexium even more. I guess it's not the next phase, it's the next leg of this phase, um, which will be doing Nexium like every two days. And then of course, we'll have to see, I anticipate more flare-ups similar to what I've been doing or having um, because you're dropping that medication level again. So I anticipate my gut will be stirred up a little bit more and we'll have to wait for it to acclimate before we move on to the next leg of the phase. That seems real realistic to imagine that those side effects will probably continue for a little while longer. Um, as we continue to talk about this, guys, I just want you to understand that it makes perfect sense that this is not a one-size-fits-all, that what was supposed to be a one-week leg of the journey is turned into three for Julie just because of the side effects. And this is why we're always going to recommend if you're one that has been on PPIs for a long time and maybe this is resonating with you and you want to come off it as well, that it is best to do it with someone who has been there and done it before. That way they can help walk you through it because this is not a kind of medication is that you quit cold turkey. You will notice severe side effects and probably feel like you have to be on it forever. So there's definitely a step-by-step -step process and I know there's supplements to take that I I think Julie will go into here in a second that she's taking to help her come off this PPI long-term. Yeah, so up until this point, we've gone through with you guys in every phase what the supplementation was like, what those supplements do, and then what lifestyle changes have to be made in accordance with that to help me fight you know, the dysbiosis in the gut, which is just bacterial overgrowth and too much bad bacteria, too little good bacteria, not balance, and then the H. pylori, which is, of course, an infection in your gut. Um, and so we will do the same thing this time. So while we've talked about the the part, the actual protocol regarding Nexium, so far it's been just every other day, there are other things that I am doing. Um, in phase four, I had started taking a pepsin GI, which is a zinc L-carnitine, um, and it's got some, it's got the zinc carnitine in it, and then it's, I'm sorry, carnosine in it, and it's at 75 milligrams, and I take two of those in the morning, every morning, and really that's just supposed to foster a healthy gut, a healthy, healthy microbiome, a healthy gut lining, and it also kind of has a soothing um, effect to it, to your gut, so you'll notice it'll kind of just I mean, I don't even really notice it necessarily, but you will notice that when you're on it, it's just a little bit less gut upset. Your gut's not as susceptible to um, upset as it is without it. It's just kind of to calm things down a little bit. And most of the supplements that I take right now for this phase are very much just about calming the gut down, um, you know, supporting that so that you can come off this medication without being miserable because the first time I came off this medication or I tried to I did try the every other day method and within a week I was already having really bad diarrhea worse than I am this time and I was having terrible reflux like I would instantly have like sore throat chest pain right after dinner on the couch I have had none of that this time so these supplements you feel are making a big difference in yes. this journey and the soothing effect that they have yeah, and I, I do, and in the, the the research that I have done, there are at least two of these supplements that I'm going to talk about that are mentioned in functional medicine articles and reviews about using them while you're in the course of coming off of a PPI because of what they do and how they improve things while you're discontinuing this 
basically acid suppressant, which is what a PPI is. So um, the other thing I continued, which I've been on throughout the whole journey, is peppermint oil capsules, and I still take one after my morning meal and one after my evening meal. And peppermint is one of those things that's kind of, it's as old as time, really. Like even, and I say that because I, my mom gave this to me when I was a baby, so I know that it's old as time because I too am old as time. <laughs> um, but my mom would crush up peppermints and put them in warm water in my bottle when I would have a gassy belly. Peppermint's just known to, to help soothe the stomach, um, kind of like ginger does. So it's just a natural thing. So we're taking that just to keep the, the belly calm. It's, it's supposed to stop like spasms in your gut. If you have spasms, any cramping, it's supposed to soothe that, stop it. So gotcha. I still take the, that and that, depending on how I feel, that may continue after the, the process just to kind of give my belly a buffer you know something to kind of calm it down because it will not be used to operating at full stomach acid levels right. so just to kind of help ease the process um the other thing that i take um is called and we've we've actually done this before we have been on dgl plus before which is that diglycol here we go <laughs> diglycer is is a zenated licorice extract i didn't do as good that time as i did the first time that's okay um but i would have butchered it <laughs> it's abbreviated as dgl and so before i was taking a dgl plus supplement so it had some other stuff in it it had like marshmallow root in it and a slippery elm i think slippery elm. um so it was kind of a compound but it did have the the licorice in there as well this time we've changed it up just a little bit we're taking dgl um, chews. So these are actually chewable tablets that you take. You chew three in the morning after your morning meal and after your evening meal. And they, again, the licorice, like the other two, is just meant to soothe the belly. It's supposed to soothe upset. It's supposed to keep acid levels down. If you are a person that is constantly popping, like, not even just the PPIs, but if you're popping, like, Tums or Rolaids or Pepsid, DGL can be a good substitute for that. It's a more natural um, compound that will treat acid reflux, heartburn, and those kind of upsets. Um, it's really a good product. The one thing you need to watch about this is, first of all, to make sure, of course, as always, with your doctor, that it will not interfere with any prescription medications you were on. Exactly. It's always We're always going to recommend you check with your doctor first, especially if you're on, like Julie said, any kind of other medications. Right. The second thing you need to check is to make sure that some of the glycerin has been removed, and it's the deglycerinated. That is a terrible word to say. <laughs> but you need to make sure that you get the D in the DGL, which is the deglycerinated, because that gl that glycerin, glycerin, wow, <laughs> that's so hard to say. But that can actually cause some issues with blood pressure and stuff like that and it can cause other issues so you want to make sure that that's what you get and actually if you were interested in trying this product I would definitely reach out to Kaylee or I I could even put it on Kaylee's website that way you have you make sure you're getting the right one that has a way reduced amount of that because you don't want it to interfere with anything that you're experiencing yeah um, but it's really good it's a good replacement for Tums because Tums there are, it's calcium carbonate is what Tums are, and too many of those can actually cause some constipation, especially if you're popping them fairly frequently. Um, that's why I haven't taken Tums, and I can't even tell you how long, 
because it will back you up. And from somebody that's always dealing with chronic constipation, it's not worth it. Um, bismuth, Pepto-Bismol, if you take it for heartburn as well, can cause the same thing. It can cause some constipation. So, you know, this is a, a product that can help you with the symptoms that you're having, and it shouldn't cause you the issues with the slower motility, the constipation. And it tastes delicious. Yeah. If you're a fan of black licorice, um, you'll <laughs> Which like I it. am. Yeah. I do not like black licorice. However, the first time I took it, I was like, this is terrible. But now, after a couple doses... It's really not as potent as black licorice, but you can still get a hint of it. But it was enough that I was like, this is terrible. But after the first dose or two, now I've kind of adapted to it. And I don't really notice it as it's much anymore. It's not that powerful. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the last the last supplement I'm taking. So those three are taken at a regular basis. Um, they are taken regularly as this phase moves on. This next one is an as-needed supplement. And it's called betaine hcl and it's got pepsin and genetian bitters in it and so the key for this this one is as needed for any kind of symptoms that pop up so if i'm having a lot of heartburn a lot of nausea a lot of diarrhea any of those kind of symptoms i can take this to help me with that now this is one of those things that you want to be careful with and you want to start with a super low dose because it, this is actually stomach acid is basically what HCL is hydrochloric acid, which is what your stomach acid is. Now, when it's betaine HCL, that is what you want to take. Some people say just take plain old HCL. That is not true. That is not what you want. You always want it to be the betaine HCL. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening. And if you're enjoying the show, please do me a huge favor and take a screenshot of this episode and share it to your story on IG or Facebook and tag me on IG at Kaylee Montoya Fitness or on Facebook at Kaylee Montoya Houston so I can reach out and thank you personally. Also, if you haven't already, don't forget to rate and review us on wherever you get your podcast from. This greatly helps the show grow so we can help more people reach their own health and fitness goals. What you want to be careful of, though, is if you, there are actually blogs out there that tell you to take betaine HCL and to take one tablet, and then if you don't feel anything, take another tablet, and to keep taking the tablets until you feel a burning sensation in your stomach. And then, so say you, you feel the burning sensation after five tablets, that means that four is the dose that you need. I recommend not doing that because by the time you're feeling the burning sensation, it's actually, that's acid burning your esophagus. So you you could be giving yourself an ulcer or causing issues. So always just start with one tablet. But the reason that this is so important during this process is when you're coming off of a PPI that has suppressed your acid for so long in your gut, it can be very difficult to break down proteins. And so if you start having a lot of gut discomfort, cramping, gas, um, nausea, heartburn, diarrhea, I just sound like a Pepto-Bismol commercial. <laughs> I was just um, going to say that. I was going to start doing the, the hand gestures. <laughs> um, the betaine HCL can help break those proteins down, which will help ease the digestion. Because when you start to get sick from, you know, eating after you eat like a protein-laden meal... It's the chances are you're having the diarrhea, you're having the upset and the gas because your body is not, you don't have enough stomach acid yet to break down those proteins. So that's where adding the HCL comes in is it helps break that proteins down. Um, so that's helpful. I have not taken this yet um, just because 
I have felt like I've tolerated it. I mean, granted, I've had side effects, and it has not. It has been very, very challenging. And I have wanted to give up a couple times because I was like, I'm back to where I was. Because after phase four was done, I was eating whatever I wanted. Um, and I felt good. I felt better than I ever have. And I felt confident with my gut again. And then after we started the Nexium protocol, when I stopped suppressing all of my stomach acid and allowing my belly to start producing acid again, I noticed I started having the diarrhea again. So I lost some of the confidence that I'd gained in my belly. I started having a lot of anxiety about, am I going to have diarrhea to where I can't control it? Am I going to get sick? Um, so I've been nervous about taking this one just because I have tolerated the other three really well that I'm afraid to I'm afraid to kind of rock the boat. Right. Throw you know? another thing in the mix. Yeah. And I, I don't feel like I've been absolutely terrible. I will say that it has it has made me really emotional, really anxious, really kind of depressed because I was doing so well, feeling so good, eating whatever I wanted, and then now it feels like I've taken a huge step backwards, but I really haven't. I needed, I needed the Nexium while I was doing the H. pylori for sure, because that is you just need to keep that acid down while you treat that. Because if you have H. pylori and you have excessive stomach acid, you can actually cause an ulcer. So I had to maintain the Nexium while I was through that, going through that protocol. So this is the first time in 15 years that I'm allowing my stomach to produce stomach acid. And actually that is one of the things that this pepsin GI does also is it supports the development of, um, of the mucus in the stomach that helps protect the lining while your belly produces stomach acid and kind of releases that. So allowing my belly to produce stomach acid, there's a lot of different things that I haven't, my belly hasn't had to do on its own. It hasn't had to break down its own protein. It hasn't had to um, digest foods with acid. It's had to do it without that. So now that I'm adding that in, it's stirring some stuff up. It's kind of, it's, it's disrupting things. Um, my stomach was used to operating with zero stomach acid. And now that it's producing stomach acid, they have to learn how to work together again. And it's, it's kind of, it's been it's been a little touch and go but i now that i am seeing that going slower in the process i'm kind of turning a corner and things are regulating and easing a little bit it helps me a little bit get more confident even though i'm pretty positive it's going to stir up again i can see that it should settle down as things kind of regulate in there so it's been trying for sure definitely um and I don't know, have you mentioned before, have we talked about before, some of the the unheard of side effects of PPIs, especially when it comes to mindset? You mean like while, like the long-term use yes. of taking them, yeah, not, have we ever not withdrawal that? symptoms? Right, correct. Um, we, I don't think we have, actually. I think that would be a good thing to talk about, and that might affect some people's decision on whether they should stay on it or not. Yeah, that's a good point. So... Many people have actually asked me, you know, because I have mentioned to some people that I, I see on a regular basis when I haven't been feeling well after they've seen me feeling so good for so long, they're like, why, if it's causing you this much, if you're actually withdrawing from this drug and it's, you look so miserable, what's the point of coming off of it? Just take it. Because we treat Nexium and Prilosec and those Prevacid, those drugs, we treat them 
like it's just a normal thing like a multivitamin like oh most people take it it's not it's it's not an offender of any sort it's just a regular drug you just take it every day you don't worry about it yeah it is a problem like i said there are some people it's a very low percentage that should take a ppi daily but there are more people that should not and we just found out it had a black box warning correct Yes, it does have a black box warning, um, or it should have a black box warning. Yeah. Um, So there are some there are some repercussions to using a PPI long term, and I will. I know I've mentioned them, but I'm going to keep mentioning them by name because when I say PPI, people don't know what I mean. So those PPIs, I mean the three main ones are Prilosec, Nexium, and Prevacid. Um, Now those three, there are serious repercussions to taking them long term. Um, they can cause cancer. Um, they can also degrade, or I don't know if I want to say degrade, but they can reduce bone density, which makes you more prone to fractures. Um, they can also cause anxiety and depression because your, we've talked several times before about the gut brain connection. Your serotonin is produced in your gut and in your mouth and your, that's why when people eat and they're depressed and they want to just eat food, this is why. Because when you eat good foods and your mouth releases that saliva, that is starting that serotonin process. Um, that's why you have comfort foods because you get that serotonin when you start to chew, when that saliva starts to be released and it goes all the way down into the gut. As soon as you start a drug like this and it completely eliminates your stomach acid after long-term use, your belly is no longer ha- does no longer have those mechanisms to produce the amount of serotonin that you need. So a lot of people see terrible anxiety and depression from being on these drugs long term. Um, there are a laundry list of symptoms related to these drugs, and it is absolutely absolutely not necessary to take, especially now that I know I could take something like a DGL after I eat, if I need to. And we also have our, we have a, a all natural syrup and capsule in our cabinet that we take called Mates, and it's an acid indigestion and it's all natural. Yeah, it's all that's, that's what I use quite often. It's all herbs. Um, it is just not, the risk does not outweigh the benefits of taking one of Agreed. these long-term. And of course, in my blog, I have more details about side effects of long-term use, lesser known side effects of withdrawal, but getting through the withdrawal process, if you can get through that, and by withdrawals, I don't, it's not what you think of when you think withdrawal. You're not shaking and all of that. There is some anxiety, some depression, but it is worth it on the other side of it. Like the benefit in the long run, if you have had um, a worsening of of anxiety or depression because you started this medication there is a good chance that you will see an improvement in your symptoms after you come off assuming that it was starting the ppi that worsened the anxiety and depression so there is a reason to be hopeful and there is a reason to go through the work and i'm not going to lie it is very difficult kaylee and i in research have read articles that have actually stated that other than coming off of an opiate coming off of a PPI is one of the most challenging things that you can do in the medical world. 
just because it is so difficult. It's trying for not only the patient or the client, but it's also trying for the practitioner as well. So it is not a joke. And, you know, a lot of people think when I say withdrawals, they're like, how do you get the cold sweats and the shakes and all of that? It's not the same different thing. Kind, different it's kind a of different withdrawals. thing. But you can, like I have had a, I, I don't think the low-grade fever is related to the Nexium because it kind of started before that, but it did persist. I also had some dizziness and lightheadedness that we don't know. I have seen that that is a, a lesser known side effect, withdrawal side effect, um, lightheadedness, dizziness, um, sinus pressure, ringing in the ears. And it does all go away within two to three weeks after complete cessation of the drug once everything starts to normalize. So really it's getting through this whole process, which can be uncomfortable, it can be trying. If you can stick with it and really get to the end, the finish line, the benefits will far outweigh the discomfort here and that you're going through. Absolutely agree. And I think when I mentioned the black box warning on this drug, I think a lot of practitioners are doing their patients a disservice by not giving the, f the full disclosure that these drugs can be basically addicting and make your symptoms worse than when they started with. People are just like, here, take this drug. There's no side effects. This will help your heartburn. And they don't go into detail of all these negative side effects that can happen. Yeah. I mean, I feel that's basically what happened to me. I was having symptoms and they handed me a drug and they said, it's just a gut drug. It's just like taking a, it'll prevent your heartburn. It's just like taking a Tum or whatever, except it'll keep it to where you're, you're down, you know, it's down and you don't have to chew a Tum every day. Well, it's not, it's not the same. Like I have always struggled with depression and anxiety, but I know that after I started taking it, it, I, it could have been circumstantial and life could have gotten in the way too, but I definitely feel like it was around the same time period that my anxiety really, really increased. And there for a while, they had me taking two Nexium a day. Which is crazy. Yeah, I was taking 40 milligrams of it when the over-the-counter treatment is only 20 milligrams a day for up to two weeks. So they had me taking 40 milligrams a day for months. And then I reduced it down to 20 on my own. Yeah, and the sad part is that a lot of practitioners that prescribe this to people, they think your symptoms are low or high stomach acid when in turn you actually could be have too low of stomach acid and have the exact same symptoms of somebody with too high. Yeah, that's that's the tricky part about the gut and and it's hard because that is why that's why I have been leaning in the last few years more towards the functional side because this is a prime example of how western medicine purely puts a band-aid on your symptoms because they say I'm having heartburn. Great. Here's a heartburn pill. What's causing this though? Yeah. So you've got heartburn. Here's a heartburn pill so that you won't have heartburn. But they say, okay, well, this will keep your stomach acid down. But you could be having heartburn because you don't have enough stomach acid. If you don't have enough stomach acid to break your food down, it is feasible that you would have that indigestion and that reflux because the food is not being broken down and it's trying to squeeze right back up into your esophagus, which is what gives you that full feeling when you have indigestion or reflux but i we've talked about the baking soda test before and i did it and i never burped you're supposed to burp with burp within what one to two minutes to be normal yes correct i it was i know before three minutes and not 
not before one, but yeah. af- not after three. Yeah. I never burped. After doing the test, even later on in the morning, I never burped at all. So basically your stomach acid was non-existent. <laughs> yeah, because you're supposed to, if you have low stomach acid, you will burp after three minutes. Correct. I didn't burp at all. So I have zero stomach acid. So my stomach is having to learn to break down food again. And it's going to take a little bit for it to learn its, I mean, it's, I've had it on training wheels, basically. Right. It's a journey, but her, your whole health, gut health, like, revival has been a, a journey because this is going on a year now that you've been I, I working like on your gut. Started, I feel like we started around February was when we started with the elimination diet and stuff. I, I don't know why. I feel like it was in February that we started with the yeah the very beginning of phase one which was just the simple things the elimination the sleep stress management getting rid of um i said the diet i guess and then we started like the saccharomyces boulardii and the colostrum yes and i feel like maybe there was something else maybe not i know those two for sure i know we started those two for sure just to start kind of laying the foundation get any of those trigger foods out stopping inflammation i feel like we started that around february and then after that, we slowly started phase one, which was the H. pylori. Right. So nothing about this journey has been a quick fix. Just like we talk about, there's no diets out there. They're going to work long term if you're just in it for a quick fix. They're going to come quickly and they're going to leave just as quickly. Right. And, and with something like your gut health, you should, you absolutely should take it slowly because you have to let your gut figure out what it's like you're changing a lot of stuff you have to let it kind of figure itself out level out and or otherwise it could be really really uncomfortable for you and you could also worsen some symptoms if you're not careful and you don't do it properly but you take it slow that way you can kind of see what's working and what's not working and then when you find that rhythm of what's working you know you're pretty much off to the races but there is some trial and error involved and so you really have to you really have to find someone who can guide you through this journey that's been there themselves that have the education and i mean that's something that you know i could i feel pretty decently confident taking somebody through now um if they were interested in you know solving some gut stuff um but it's not for everybody and even with my knowledge and my research and my own journey your journey is not going to be the same as mine. It would be something that I definitely would need to, you know, we would need to say, okay, this is, look at the data. What is truly going on in your gut with some sort of a lab test? We can do it without a lab test, but it's a little bit more trial and error that way because you're kind of feeling your way out of the dark, so to speak. So it would take even longer. It would take more longer. More likely, anyways. But nothing that I have done would be harmful to anybody. Like I'm using supplements rather than medications. We're using diet and lifestyle, things that most people can do without having any sort of adverse effect. So exactly, this is a journey I would feel comfortable taking somebody on. Um, but you really though have to be patient with it. You have to trust your coach or whomever's doing it with you and you have to trust the process, let it go slowly, and you have to be very forthcoming with what you're experiencing. Nobody really likes to talk about nausea, vomiting, poop. Nobody likes to talk about that. Gas. Nobody likes so to talk about So important, though. Nobody likes to talk about that. But in the gut health journey, there's no way for your coach or your functional medicine practitioner to know 
how things are working for you or if they're working for you if you're not honest. If I would have just said, hey, I'm doing great, I probably would have been on uh, week two or three of this phase already and I would probably be totally miserable. Whereas going slower, letting things settle was easier to do. It's much more manageable. So sometimes you have to take it really slow. That way the process, you don't want to be miserable. No, exactly. And I think this gut health health journey crosses over into fitness and nutrition as well. Because if you're one of our clients listening to this, you guys know we, we track, we monitor all those things. We monitor the digestion, we monitor mood and how you feel because that is so very important to the process. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it's been a solid at least 10 months now that we've been working on this. And I'm now seeing where we are right now. I will not be done by the end of the year. No. And I think one thing that we have forgotten to talk about um, is along with this gut health journey, when you're working with your, your nutrition coach, you've been in a process of first building muscle, going back to homeostasis. And now you have been actually in a cut for weeks now. And, long time. and we have taken you through something similar like this in the past and your results were lacking. We didn't seem to get many results from it. Mm-hmm. Yet this go around, your body is responding a lot better to the process now that your gut is in a healthier place, I believe. Yeah. Thanksgiving morning, I woke up to an all-time low weight of 149.4, I believe. And I don't, I don't ever remember in my adult life ever being less than 150 pounds right in fact you started this journey how many years ago being 250 i started i started fitness and all that together lifestyle changes and i was at 250 pounds and i lost 100 pounds just doing you know what everybody thinks they need to do which is eating less moving more and i did lose 100 pounds but that is not the right way to do it and i will tell anybody that yes it worked but it did not work I had a lot of, and I actually just learned, I'm going to say it just because I just learned it the other day. (laughs) Um, After I lost that 100 pounds, I had a lot of sarcopenic obesity going on, which is the technical term for skinny fat. Gotcha. That Um, sounds better than skinny fat. (laughs) I know. Um, But it's a lot harder to understand. Yes, it is. Um, So I, I was skinny fat. I looked sick. Like, I looked skinny, and that's great, skinny, um, but I still looked bad like I had I looked unhealthy I my face like in my face I my eyes looked really sick of course I still had this gut condition though you know it was still there um it's been going on since at least 2008 so of course that was going on but that could have been part of the reason I looked sick but I didn't I didn't have any muscle mass it didn't have any definition I really just looked like a, a, a skinny zombie really i mean i did i looked terrible and so after that i after a bad breakup and some shocking like life-changing events um i decided i was going to do something for me so i i started lifting and i fell in love with lifting to the point where i became the manager of a gnc in town and um i met my wife um at the gym and so, I mean, fitness really took over and changed my life. I put on 35 pounds. A lot of it was muscle, but anytime you gain a significant amount of muscle, you're going to put on a little bit of body fat. And I also did a, 
a build phase, which was not, I still didn't know what I was doing. So it was kind of a dirty build, um, which meant that if I could see it, I could eat it and it was fine because I was going to hulk out. So it was fine. You don't want to do that. That was also not the right thing to do. Um, so even after that hundred pound weight loss, 150 pounds then compared to 150 pounds now is totally different. And I don't ever remember being below 150, even in high school. I mean, I wasn't skinny in high school, but I was had an athletic build and I still don't remember being, I feel like I remember being about 162. For some reason that number sticks out at me. Um, but yeah, I hit 149 and even my weekly average, cause you know, your weight changes daily. So we go by weekly averages. Even my weekly average this last week was, I think it was 150 point something, or maybe it was like 151 point something, which is the lowest weekly average I have seen since I started this two year journey with my coach. And I started this journey at 173. Right. Just such big differences. And so I just want you guys to think about it. If you have maybe struggled in the past with diets not working for you and you feel like you're eating low calorie and you feel like you're doing all the right things, maybe you should stop and think if you're having any of these gut health issues yourself, any of these symptoms that maybe your gut is not in a healthy place to respond to you. Because if you're not healthy on the inside, the last thing your body is going to do is want to prioritize fat loss because your body wants to keep you alive and it will not prioritize trying to burn that body fat if you're not in a healthy place to do it no a sick body is an unresponsive body exactly and i spun my wheels for a long time and had a lot of frustration and wanted to give up on fitness and you would have to talk me off a cliff and say no we're going to keep going to the gym you'll see results eventually and i did but it did take being brave and tackling this gut this gut condition. And it was scary. It was really scary because as crazy as it sounds to people that have never been in this kind of a journey, being sick was my comfort zone. That, your normal. that was my normal. And so I didn't know what good felt like. So being sick, there was some comfort in that because I knew what to eat, when to eat, and how to eat to keep myself feeling in a way that I knew how to predict my stomach. I, I knew how to predict whether I was going to throw up, whether I was going to have diarrhea. I could predict all of that. So I was able to basically live my life around that to where I could control all of these aspects. And then having the predictability brought me comfort because then I knew, yes, I didn't feel good, but I kind of knew what depending on how my gut felt that day, whether it was going to be a good day or a bad day. And I could control it and I knew how to, how to read it. So getting out of that comfort zone, and I know that sounds crazy, but getting out of that comfort zone of being sick all the time was really scary to do. It was Absolutely. really scary. And so it's been hard to let myself relax and realize that this is what good feels like. And even now, if I could be sitting at work and my stomach will growl because it's hungry and it almost makes me nervous because I'm like, oh God, is this what happens before I throw up? Is this what happens before I have really bad diarrhea? Like what's going to happen? And my belly is just moving. It's just digesting. It's just hungry. Yeah. And even that feels off to me. Yeah. All new experiences. But it's amazing how many times that I hear in client check-ins of, I didn't realize I could feel this good and we're not making any huge changes just 
more whole foods, a little bit of movement, prioritizing building muscle, and it completely, people start to crave the good, the good foods. They start to crave these things that are treating their body well, and once they realize how bad they really felt. Yeah, it, it really is. It's, there are so many people in the world who don't know what good feels like, and yeah, it's actually sad. really sad. It's really, really sad because you only have one life and you only have one body. And why spend it feeling like shit all the time? Absolutely. Well, do you have any other things to add to this before we wrap it up? Um, I don't think so. I think if you wanted to recap any of the other phases, you could either check out the blog or you could check out the other episodes because I'm pretty sure we just did an episode not long ago about phase four when we were reintroducing foods. So all we did was nothing changed between that episode and phase five. I just finished out a list of foods that I needed to add back in and nothing gave me any issues. So there was really no recap necessary. Um, other than the fact that I did discontinue all supplements except for the ones that I have listed in this episode. Even the Saccharomyces boulardii that is, was started in the very beginning, I've discontinued everything except for the four supplements that I gave you guys today. Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, if you end up having any questions or this journey sounds like one you want to take yourself, please reach out. Ask questions. It costs nothing for a simple message, a simple phone call, to let it, to see if we can help you. Right. Okay, guys. We'll see you next week. All right. No, we won't, actually. We're going on a holiday break. Merry Christmas. (laughs) See you in the new year. That is what we should have said. We forgot. We're so used to doing weekly episodes. So, yes, this is our last final episode of 2022. Thank you guys for coming along on this amazing journey. It's been interesting learning the whole podcast game, but it's been fun. Yeah. it's We're we're a year and a half in now. Can you believe that? That's amazing. Enjoying every second of it. Okay. Well, we will be back in, it looks like we will probably back be back on January 8th of 2023. And it'll probably be, I don't know, just maybe a, a random live recap. training yeah. or a recap or something. So, yeah. all right, guys. Well, we are getting ready to launch the Rising Phoenix or the Phoenix Rising newsletter. So if you are interested in getting on the newsletter mailing list, go over to KayleeMontoyaFitness.com. Scroll down on the homepage about halfway, maybe closer to the bottom, and there somewhere on the right side under more resources is a form that you can fill out to get your email put in the email list, and we will get you a newsletter sent out. The first edition will go out somewhere around the beginning of January, so be on the lookout for that. Yeah, it's going to be good. All right, guys, we will catch you after the new year. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Phoenix Rising. For more information on how to take charge of your fitness goals, follow me on IG or Facebook, or you can head over to KayleeMontoyaFitness.com to apply for a free coaching call today. If you have any questions you would like answered on the show, shoot me an email to KayleeMontoyaFitness at gmail.com. Don't forget to catch us on the next episode.